0: Do you ever hear the alarm go off and think, "Eh, five more minutes? Well, you are not alone. Welcome to the Life as a Team Sport podcast, where we will take the concepts from sports and apply them to everyday life. So whether you're an athlete, a former athlete, the mom of an athlete, or just love watching sports, we invite you to come along with us as we explore family, faith, fitness, and have a lot of fun doing it. This is a podcast by the women of sport for the women of sport.
1: Good morning and welcome back to the team room. This is Patricia and I'm here with Becky. Hello there. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. What are you up to today? Well, we are skiing in the Poconos,
0: so it's been a really lovely week here. Ooh, that's awesome. Are you a good skier? I have grown up skiing, so I do have the skill and technique, but I'm a little scaredy cat on the hills. So um, I'm not crazy, but I can ski.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. I've only been skiing twice and I go straight down the hill. Oh, yeah. So I feel like that's dangerous. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's very dangerous, and then you run into people at the bottom, and then we all laugh. Oh but
1: <laughs> and I'm excited. We have a guest on the show today, so I'm going to introduce her really quick. Uh, her name is Rebecca, and she is an author and motivational speaker. She's also been a collegiate chaplain. She's a virtual professor for a school in Arizona. She's also an ultra runner and was a perfusionist for over 10 years. She's a mom to two boys and a grandmother to one very spunky granddaughter. She mm-hmm. is a friend of mine who I've known for the last five years, so I'm excited to welcome her to the show. Welcome, Rebecca Tritipo. Hey, good morning. Good to be here.
2: Good Sorry. to
1: have you on. So listen, so do you ski? Because Becky was just telling me about her ski trip.
2: Well, actually, yeah, I sort of grew up skiing too because I grew up in Pennsylvania and and we skied in the Poconos a lot. And once in a while we would go to Vermont but I have not been on skis for a very long time, so it would probably be ugly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> quite ugly it, it right now. Back.
0: Yeah, it does come back sometimes. But I hear you, Rebecca. It and the Poconos are not big, so you do get down the hill pretty quick. Yeah, and then you wait <laughs> line for the lift.
1: So. That's well, awesome. See, I feel like I would have benefited from ski lessons as a kid. But the very first time I went, I was in middle school, and I missed the ski lesson because my best friend and I went to the bathroom. So we came back out and <clears> realized <throat> we missed the lesson. And we were like, you know what, it can't be that hard. So we just went to the top of the bunny slope and went down. And that was easy. So then we went to the top of the next hill. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. That's Anyways. funny. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Rebecca, we are so excited to have you on the show. And before we get to the interview, we wanted to do the highlight reel. So we wanted to hear what is going on with you that you want to highlight right now.
2: My granddaughter.
1: I I think everybody
2: should live to have grandchildren and we only have one, (laughs) but she's, she just turned six, two weeks ago and she is your word spunky. Yes. That's an understatement. Um, But she is just so delightful. And she started into gymnastics now. Um, And so, and it's hilarious because when was it? Maybe two weeks ago, she decided to make a video of herself. So she she put on music and she set her little iPad thing to record her. And she just did cartwheel, cartwheels, and then like ninja kind of stuff. And it was fun hysterical, but, um, watching her at the gym, you know, every time she does something good, she turns around and she gives, you know, two thumbs up and she's just loving it. So it's really sort of fun to watch that little Sprite do her. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love, she sounds I love so it. Fun. Oh yeah. And she's just so polite. You know, she loves to bake. She loves to help. Um, I'm just so happy to have her around.
1: I love the little videos that you put of her on Facebook. She is so cute.
2: Yeah. And she comes up with some stuff. Her vocabulary is incredible for, you know, a kindergarten kid. And she'll, sometimes we're just going like, where did you come up in church? um, This was even a few months ago. She goes, grandma, she's whispering. I have to tell you something. I said, what? And she goes, are you aware that animals can have heterochromius eyes? <laughs> I'm going wow. oh wow. And I know what heterochromius means but so then I thought well okay let's go with go with it you know okay yeah. from the um from the latin hetero means different and chromius always refers to color so then we made up some other words you know <laughs> but it's
0: like how does she know heterochromius? I don't know. Wow. Yeah, she read or watched something really cool. Yeah. So that's that's neat. Yeah. You know, Rebecca, I have a daughter who's 8 and when I see her with my mother-in-law and my mom, like it's just a neat neat relationship that yeah. makes me really happy as the mom. So I can just imagine how you feel being a grandmother. Oh, so, I I just really love cute. having her around. Yeah.
1: Oh, cool. that's the best. For sure. All right. Well, before we get into your um, athletic background, which is fascinating by itself, tell us a little bit about what being a perfusionist means. Because I remember when you first told me this, and it's fascinating. Yeah, a perfusionist.
2: And I was in that field for about 25 years or so. But a lot of times it's very hard for a surgeon to operate on a heart that's beating and it's full of blood. So a perfusionist basically sets up a circuit that becomes the patient's heart and lungs. So you divert, it's called cardiopulmonary bypass. It's sort of like a bypass around a city, you know, on mm-hmm. highway. Okay. So that you take the blood as it's coming into the right heart, or sometimes before, drain it out. You can cool it, warm it. You have complete physiologic control over the patient. You, wow. it. you take out the CO2, Um, So you can regulate blood vessels, and then you put it on, you put it back into the patient on the far side of the heart into the aorta normally. um, And, and then you can stop the heart. And it's a whole lot easier for the, for the surgeon to operate on a heart that's still and doesn't have a lot of blood in it. So um, that's the biggest component of our, of what a perfusionist does, although we do lots of other, like, blood component therapies, and you might have heard the word ECMO with all this COVID stuff. Um, Sure. ECMO is just a form of cardiopulmonary bypass. So, anyway, it's a cool field.
1: So, so tell us, switching gears a little bit, about playing sports growing up. What Did you play, were you always into running or is that something that you transitioned into No,
2: no, no, I wasn't always into running, but, and you have to understand when I was growing up, I mean, this was in the late 60s, early 70s, because I graduated high school in 75 and there were not the opportunities for girls in sports. In fact, where I went to school, it was junior high, which was seven through nine. And there were no sports for girls other than cheerleading in seventh and oh, eighth yeah. grade. If you were good enough in ninth grade, you could try out for the high school team. So um, I just okay. lived, I lived to be in ninth grade.
0: Um, yeah.
2: I made the teams. So it was field hockey in the fall, mm-hmm. gymnastics in the winter, and then mm-hmm. softball until my senior year, they added lacrosse and they added track and field. And because okay. I was super, super fast, I was, what's really funny is I was a sprinter and now I run <laughs> ultra marathons. Um, but anyway, <laughs> wow. I ran track my senior year. And then in okay. college, um, the school I went to, I, I adapted very quickly to different sports. So I actually played collegiate volleyball field hockey, and tennis.
0: Wow, a three-sport athlete in college. That's impressive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about what ultra running even is, because not everybody's familiar. I think everyone's familiar with what a marathon is, but what is ultra running? Yeah,
2: ultra running technically is anything over a marathon, but I didn't know it existed either. (laughs) Um, But when we moved to Lynchburg, because I had joined a practice here, um, we started going to this church, and I met a guy named David Horton, who ended up like he's the guru of ultra running. Um, wow! But anyway, he had at one time he had the record on the Appalachian Trail, record on the Pacific Crest Trail, um, had won I don't know how many ultras. But anyway. He knew, I think, that he had a sucker on the line. So he goes, it can 50 miles. And I go, bet I can. So, um, oh. yeah, that was about 25 years ago. And I've been wow. running the long stuff ever since. Not without difficulty, wow. but, yeah. Yeah.
1: So <clears throat> how did that look? I mean, you said, okay, bet I can. You had run a marathon no. before? Like, what was the longest
2: No, ever- my No. My, my – my- okay there's my first ultra <laughs> my previous race was like 18 19 years prior and it was one lap around the track it was an what? open 440 because oh it was yard tracks i did no, i had never oh. run a 5k never run a 10k nothing Wow, wow. So oh, okay, paint us
1: a picture. What did that look like? You you're in church. You're like, bet I can. And then what you put on your shoes the next day and just started running, you know, like Forrest Gump. Well, or like, what happened? In, a,
2: in a way, because I knew, I mean, he was very involved with ultra running and I had helped him with this mountain masochist, um, 50 mile race. And okay. I was at the end at the finish line. I'm looking at all these people and it's like, some are tall, some are short, some are heavier, some are life little people. Um, and I'm going, yeah. surely if so many of them, like look at them at the yep. at the start line, you go, there ain't no way they're going to run, run through the mountains for 54 miles. Actually, it was more than 50. Um, and then they finish.
0: And I'm going, wow. uh, if it can do it, I think I can do it. And so that's cool. Yeah, that is how it started. A lot of times you see others and you think, yeah,
2: well, I started and I started running actually in that fall because I was playing USTA tennis and I was getting tired of getting, you know, possibly beat by what I (laughs) what I thought was an older woman. I mean, she was probably all in her 40s. (laughs)
0: Or fifty fifties <laughs> at that point,
2: and um, you know because of fitness, so I started running then, and then he took me on my first okay. run in the mountains, and it was twenty, and I go, whoa, I love this. Wow!
0: wow. So does your here's a question: Does your husband? Run no, well? like what's his? No, no, type?
2: no. <laughs> I mean, he was he was a college he athlete. For- he played soccer, but um, okay. no, he he doesn't do that kind of thing. But he was always very, very supportive of me. And he he would crew me at the races. And he really liked it when I was at the front of the pack, because he didn't have to wait around so long. Now, now I'm older. (laughs) So I'm not at the front of the pack anymore. So um, you know, I don't really even need a crew now because time is really not that important. So yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. How long does it take you to run 50 Miles in the woods. Well, it, like, What is that? You know like? what? I.
2: I sort of hate that question because. Oh, no, okay. no, Sorry. no. I get the question a lot, but it's like people that run on the road. They might think, okay, I run an eight-minute pace or nine-minute pace, or whatever, and they yeah. think about it in terms of pace. But for example, Mountain Maskist, there's there's about nine thousand feet of elevation gain and about the same yeah. descent. Yeah. So. Um. I think my best, like on a mountain 50, my best time at that particular race was like 8.54 maybe. But I also ran a 50 mile race on pavement in Pittsburgh. And I think I ran a 7.42 or something.
0: Wow. Yeah, so I mean, Rebecca, you're still running very quick miles really, even in the mountains. But I just think like, like why everybody can do it because do you, could you walk oh, a how, little bit in the mountains? Think like, feels, run yeah. See, the people time? think,
2: think people oh, think okay. that it's illegal or something to walk, but if it's going up a mountain, I'm liking yeah. it because, because okay. really okay, good. I Go mean, there now. are a few extraordinary people who run everything. Um, but I am not one of them. And even just, yeah. you know, having Horton be my sort of person. I mean, he walks the ups and then you run the downs and anything that's flat. Yeah. You have to sort of just, you know, if you're breathing way too hard, back off, you know, so it, so it yeah. is a, it's not that you're running every step and then people go, oh, well, that's easy. Well, you try it, <laughs> Yeah, <No>. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're listening to your body yeah. basically yeah. Yeah. as you go. And sometimes yeah. what your body tells so- you is
2: not very pleasant. <laughs>
1: <gasps> yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure that's true too. So, what's the ultra community like? Like you described how the runners are also very different. What's the community? Oh, it's like? a
2: wonderful community because um everybody's there for the next person. Um it, it's it's okay. very helpful. It's not like the road runner community where it's me against everybody else. I mean, there have been so many times Mm -hmm. when, when an ultra runner, um, gets in trouble, you know, like their, their stomach just revolts, they're hurling all over the place. They need electrolyte tablets. You're out. Someone says, Hey, can I help you? You know, it's, um, Mm. it's very much Mm. of a, this is us against the challenge against the The right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's cool. It's a very nice like community. Yeah, that's really neat. That's good to hear because I feel like you would need that if you're yeah, out in you the woods do. trying to run. You do, um, and you know a lot of the races
2: are hundred mile races, or the new hundred now is the two hundred. Um, yeah. Oh my goodness. So I, I really wow. I sort of that's on my bucket list. I want to do at least one two hundred. Um, and so nice. that
1: so that. You- What's the longest race you've done so far?
2: Um, well, I've done some seven-day races, but those are staged races, so you only do certain mileage each day. Um, and like okay. the Allegheny Trail, that was just something where I was trying to set a record. So that I remember yeah, that took that. me yeah. seven days and, I don't know, 13, six hours. I don't know what it was. Um, and then two friends and I did um, – did another re- record on the south beyond 6000 that's down in north carolina and that took us six days and 13 hours maybe
0: so it, wow. it just depends wow, so and th- cool.
2: both of those were around 300 miles but the longest race you know just and then like there was a race in brazil that was a 100 and it was supposed to be 160 But it was uh, turned out to be 140 because the attrition rate was going to be so great (laughs) because people were dropping like flies. Um, They cut the mileage a couple days, so it was really only 140. But it was over seven stages or six stages, I guess. Six stages, seven days.
1: Wow. So this takes an extraordinary amount of time, an extraordinary amount of commitment and Mm -hmm. grit. But where's the line between commitment and obsession?
2: Well, that's a really good question. I had to, I struggled with that because there is an infinitesimally thin line between dedication Mm -hmm. and obsession. And early in my ultra running career, I know I crossed it. I played with it a lot. Mm -hmm. And then there was a period of time where I just, (laughs) you know, took a flying leap and went all the way over. Um totally lost perspective because yes, to be really good, because I was pretty good back in the day. Um yeah. and I adapted very well. I was always at the front of the pack. Um and that was sort of very motivating. But I lived, breathed, ate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just everything was about ultra running. And I had two young kids at the time. I was was in a high demand medical profession. Um, And, you know, it it didn't ruin my family life or my marriage, but it didn't help it because I became Mm -hmm. so focused that um, it was not a good situation.
1: Yeah. So what did it take for you to gain perspective? Um, I think
2: just really sort of stepping back. Now, all the injuries I've had helped me step back. <laughs> um, okay. But I think just going, okay, I'm going to separate myself from from a lot of the the guys that I was running with because that was sort of just feeding the fuel or fueling the whatever yeah. it is. Mm, yep. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. And so yeah. separating myself a little bit. Um, doing all my training on my own because that just helped me think through what I was doing. Um, I think a lot of times, and you know, my, that was my 30, mid 35 ish something self, you know, now as almost 64, Mm -hmm. uh, I see, I can look back and go, You know, I'm, I'm even a little bit afraid for some of our college athletes, to be honest, some of our coaches, Mm -hmm. um, because I think I have a little bit different perspective on how detrimental being obsessed can be being good at a sport. Absolutely. It requires dedication and sacrifice, um, you know, something. And but yeah, when it, that just becomes the sole driving force of your life, then we have to consider, is this really, is this really healthy? You know, and I've come to the conclusion that mm, maybe not, you know, it's sort of interesting. I had a conversation one time with a, with a D one swim coach, because I think, Man, those swimmers talk about dedicated and time in the pool. I mean, they're there in the morning. Yep. They're they're doing doubles a lot of days. Um, because of their college swimming, there isn't like a season. It's year round. They're there in the summer training. It, right. And so I asked this one coach, I go, you know, why? Because she was a D1 college swimmer as well. And I go, is it really absolutely necessary to put that many hours into training? And she goes, well, that's a good question. She goes, I think maybe not. But Mm. everyone's scared to not do it it. because it's something that has just become this is what you do if you're a swimmer, hmm. but I hear you, and that's, that's yeah, part of our culture it is it's and not, then, oh,
0: and then you listen me. to the
2: girls and they're completely exhausted. Mm-hmm. they ride, they want to quit
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I'm yeah. going,
0: yeah,
2: uh, maybe there needs to be some adjustment, yeah you
0: know? Rebecca, this is like our youth sports culture that my husband and I actually have conversations about. Pretty rarely often because I teach middle school, middle school TE. And my husband works in a private boys high school. That's um, very high with sports. Very, very high. He's the athletic trainer. So he's with all these athletes all the time. We have these conversations because kids are starting youth sports so young. They're driven so hard. They're not playing multiple sports like we did. Their bodies are getting injured with injuries that you would not see until maybe college. So by the time they get closer to high school and college, they they almost rarely go and play. But I think it's our American culture of pushing our kids and it's not fun. And I Patricia knows me. I joke, Rebecca, that my middle name is Becky yeah. Fun Pinio because, you know, it has to it be does. fun. And I just I struggle. So it's it that's a whole nother conversation we can have. I, I'm sorry I opened that door. But we do have that conversation um a lot because of looking at life and sports are supposed to, you know, what are sports supposed to do for us? as believers and as people, are they supposed to be our life? Or are they supposed to be part of our life to build integrity and character and hard work yep. you know, and be healthy, be fit, you know, not be first. There's a good one. Be yeah. be fit, not first. Well, and uh, I completely anyway.
2: agree. There's, um, yeah. and the coaches that I've worked with, you know, I, I keep trying, fun doesn't mean frivolous. Yeah. You know, it, yes. but, That's but as a coach and when I was coaching too, I was very, very intentional to, it's sort of like hiding the zucchini in the chocolate cake. (laughs) You have, you have to create, create your practices where sometimes there's an activity that's just really fun, but you're hiding maybe a component of fitness. You're working on, on pushing anaerobic threshold, or you're, um, you're just working on building an aerobic base but Mm -hmm. it's disguised in the form of a game. So I try and some on the college level, some coaches are more receptive to this, Mm -hmm. but they think if kids are smiling, then they're not grinding. They're not working hard enough. No, that's
0: not the case. I know that's the problem. And there's, there's a guy, um, John O'Sullivan.
2: He's, he has, Oh yeah. Called changing the game project. Yeah. Um, Yes, oh, and I, his, look I mean his resources are great, um, but you okay. know, and even like the the 3D um, coaching institute, you know, the statistics on kids in sport by by 12 years old, it's like 70 percent quit because it's not fun anymore. They're done. Yeah, yeah. and um, right, yeah, and the burnout, the the overuse injuries with. Kids who are not, yeah, who are not multi-sport athletes. We have a guy at University of Lynchburg right. here, and he's a epidemiologist. Um, do, has done a lot of research, but I mean, he he's coached his soccer team. It's a D three school, but they've won the national championship a number of times. He basically has D one players on wow. his D three team because uh-huh. he's such a great coach and. Right it draws it. But he said, when he's recruiting a kid, he does not want a kid who's only played soccer. He wants Mm -hmm. a kid who's been a gymnast who has kinesthetic sense. He wants a kid who has played softball because they can judge a ball in the air. He wants a kid who has, you know, run track and done this and that he doesn't want. And the kids that get injured on his team are kids who have not developed their entire bodies. Mm. They haven't been multi-sport. And according to him, he said, really, even for a kid who's going to go on to play in college, he doesn't see any reason at all to specialize in one sport until you're probably ninth or 10th grade. Yeah. If if then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, Rebecca, wrapping up here, what advice do you have for people who are struggling to find that balance between dedication and obsession?
2: That, that's really hard, but I think it has to be an intentional stepping back to look at, okay, is this just going to be for a period of time? It's like, try to get a 30,000 foot view. Mm. Is is mm-hmm. getting in, like, I'll give you an example. When I was totally obsessed, I was keeping a log of every single mile that I Ran and blah blah blah, and I had in my mind I have to get sixty five miles this week, mm. or the world will end. Okay.
1: So I might
2: have I might have already yeah. worked at the hospital like eighty hours. I have two small kids, but because I mm. didn't have sixty five miles in my logbook, I went out and did an extra run on a Sunday night just to get my miles. Wow, that yeah, that's not. Healthy, yeah, you know, are there periods of time where the sacrifice is a little more? Mm -hmm. Yes, of course, you know, are there times when maybe you have to watch what you're eating a little bit more carefully? Although, for runners, I mean, we joke that we run to eat, you know, so (laughs) (laughs) yeah, because we need to feel, um. But I I think you just have to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. In the picture of my entire life, do I is this really necessary?
0: Mm.
2: You know, now and that's that's tough because you don't want to give yourself an excuse not to get in a workout that right. you need to. Right. But, you know, I don't have an easy answer. I don't think there is an easy answer. But I think we always have to be very right. willing to say, can we do it? How, how good can we get without totally sacrificing relationship? And that might be the key.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: When relationships yep. start to get injured, hmm. then we probably crossed a line. Right. Yeah. My family took a hit. I like that. That's very was, true. Particularly my husband. You know, I I would run to the hospital and then run home because that gave me 16 miles. Wow. Uh, um, But but that also meant that I was getting up at four thirty or five o'clock in the morning. And then by the time I got home and got dinner, got the kids to bed and all that kind of stuff, then I still needed some time to get stuff done around the house. And so I was burning the candle at both ends. Right. Now, my kids may not have noticed it, yeah, but my husband certainly did.
1: Yeah, wow. So stepping back right. and taking that right. thirty thousand foot view every mm-hmm. once in a while and taking stock of our relationships. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. And I think well, listen,
2: relationships are the are the the biggest, you know, early warning sign.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, this has been so great. We really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your story. But before we let you go, we need to hear something from your blooper reel. Ah, uh, okay. This, okay, <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, there are, there are a number, but um, I had gotten my granddaughter some kinetic sand. I don't know if you know what kinetic sand is, but
0: yeah, oh, and yeah. it's really like, cool. It's I mean, a... it feels
2: yep. so soft and malleable but it doesn't make a mess it doesn't go all over the place but I thought well okay I miss do-it-yourselfer so I'm gonna look up a recipe for kinetic sand (laughs) and (gasps) yes oh yes so (laughs) the the ratio is five parts sand to um three parts cornstarch to one part some kind of oil so I okay. go out to the sandbox, you know, I, I clean the sand cause it looks a little grody um, <laughs> dried it and everything. So then mm-hmm. I'm measuring, I'm measuring my stuff out, but then I realize, Oh no, how many cups did I put in there? So then I had the <laughs> wrong ratio. Uh-oh. So then I added more sand, but I thought, no, wait, it's not equal parts. It's five, three, one. So then I kept adding more and more yeah. and trying to figure out the ratios. And then I thought, well, this sand looks ugly, so I'm gonna try to add some food coloring to it. Sand does not take food coloring, but your hands do. <laughs> so anyway, in the end, oh, I had funny. this huge pile of because it just kept getting bigger and bigger, trying to <laughs> trying to get back to the five three one ratio. And when Addison felt it, she goes, this doesn't feel right. And so it's going to end up <laughs> back in the sandbox. Yeah. It was a total fail. So did it turn my hands funny.
1: blue or green? That's or whatever awesome. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, it I did.
2: In?
1: Yep. Okay. But
2: the sand was not even tinted, even a little bit. So, yeah.
1: All right. So, <laughs> oh, you know. Wow. So, so buy color uh...
2: sand. Don't make it. Just buy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just buy it. That's good.
0: Oh, man.
1: That's awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much. We really appreciate your willingness to be uh, open and share your story. Before we go, we usually like to shout out someone and pass the ball to a woman who has inspired us. So is there anyone you would like to pass the ball to?
2: To someone who's inspired me? Yeah. Um... Maybe, maybe my gymnastics coach. She was bigger than life. I mean, she was like Aww. six three, six, four, and a big woman. But wow. Um, she was just <laughs> so I mean, she wasn't a typical gymnastics coach, I don't think. And she also was my field hockey coach and I don't know if she coached me in anything else. She was a PE teacher, but in a way you were scared to death of her. But, but she, she was able to get the best out of you. You know, mm. she would, she would pull her little glasses yep. down and like do this thing with her head and look at you and you go, oh, okay, I'll
1: get on the stick. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. Miss D is what we called her, Miss Deserts. Um oh, Yeah. Those are the best coaches that yeah. can get the best out um, of yep. you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. Well, you have been listening to a conversation with Becky, Patricia, and Rebecca Tritopo on Life is a Team Sport. We are so glad that you were willing to join us in our team room. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe. And you can also find us on Instagram at Life is a Team Sport. And you can find us on our new website at Life is a Team Sport everyday.com. Thank you for joining us. And never forget, Life is a Team Sport and you are never alone.